This is a baby seat podcast for parents by parents, mostly functioning, coffee sponsored humans who miss a good night's kip. I'm Kat Cuby, mum, presenter and journalist, and together with Sarah Carpenter, parent and sleep consultant who has helped thousands of families get a good night's ease, we are the Sleep Mums. We've written a book together, Sleep Better Baby, the essential stress-free guide to sleep for you and your baby. You can find it online, just search Sleep Better Baby. And now with our podcast, we hope to help parents everywhere get a better night's sleep. Whether you're listening in the middle of the night, in your car as you try to lull baby to sleep, or even before your baby arrives. Welcome, you're not alone. Together, we've got baby sleep covered. This episode is five things you need to know about baby sleep. I remember being told about the sleepless nights of parenthood, but nothing can prepare you for the tiredness. Often in the early days, no two nights are the same. And then finally, when you get like three hours of sleep, it feels like you've slept for like a a fairy tale hundred years. It's amazing. And you think, oh, yeah, I've cracked this baby sleep thing. It's only going to get better. But you can also feel like you've got a massive hangover because it's the most sleep you've had for a while. True. Except you're up the next night and the next. And you're doing the baby dance. Not that baby dance. The one you used to do in clubs, but now you're doing milk stained pajamas because it might just possibly help your baby to sleep. Help, you cry as you shimmy. What am I doing wrong? So Sarah and I want to make something clear. You're not doing anything wrong. You're just learning to be a parent and your little one is learning to be a human. However, there are things that we can do as parents and caregivers that help probably more than the shimmy. So you'll get more sleep. Baby sleep is not the straightforward thing like the cliches make it sound like, ah, sleeping like a baby. Whoever came up with that needs a proper telling off and I would be quite happy to give it to them. Anyway, here are five things about baby sleep that are going to help you way more than cliches or folklore. The first thing to know is about baby sleep cycles. When we as adults go to bed, we don't just sleep solidly through the night. We go from sleep cycle to sleep cycle, each of which only lasts about an hour and 40 minutes. During that time, we go through various stages of sleep, ranging from deep to quiet to active. At the end of a sleep cycle, we turn over and go back to sleep, basically pushing the mental snooze button. Or we wake up and press the actual snooze button. Baby sleep cycles are a wee bit different though. So Sarah... Tell me about baby sleep cycles. The biggest difference is that newborn babies' sleep cycle is much shorter. And when a baby is first born in those first magic few weeks, couple of months, they're in a lighter sleep for a lot longer. So they haven't reached their deep sleeps. So a typical sleep cycle for a baby looks something like the sort of drowsy falling asleep stage. They're then in a light sleep. They move into their deep sleep, but then they have a brief awake period. And as Kat, you've just said, an adult will roll over, get comfy and go back to sleep. Babies don't know how to do that. So they have their brief wake up period. That might be when they're due a feed or they might need to be resettled. They then go back into a deep sleep and the cycle begins again. And that that sleep cycle is significantly shorter than an adult one. It's about 40 minutes. It is, yes, and it varies a lot, really, depending on baby's age. So 
the, um, you know, initially, yes, a sleep cycle for a baby is about 40 minutes. Um, it can be as short as 25 minutes and then it will stretch to just over an hour. That's also why you have issues, perhaps, if baby falls asleep in your arms and then you try and put them down and they, their eyes ping open like like dolls. Um, it's because they're still actually in that active phase of sleep. They've not gone into the deep bit. Mm-hmm. When they're in a light sleep, it's really important to get them into the space that you want them to stay asleep because if they fall asleep and then are moved, when they do then feel that change in environment, they will wake up immediately because of this part of the sleep cycle that they're in. The second thing about baby sleep that no one ever really seems to talk about as it's sort of quite a wee thing, but I think it's really important. It's how noisy babies can be when they sleep. Every time I go to a client and they say, you know, there's something wrong with my baby, they're so noisy. There's nothing wrong with your baby. Babies are noisy sleepers. And actually take that as a good thing. It's reassuring if you can hear all those little snuffles and rumbles and grumbles. But the important thing is to learn which ones need attention. So babies are noisier because they are in a lighter sleep for longer, which causes them to be noisier. They're more expressive in their sleep. And because they're not going into that deep, settled cycle that we do as adults, that's when you're getting to hear every little shuffle that they're doing when they're asleep. But also, you know, when they are making those noises that you can really easily disturb them because they are in that active phase. Absolutely. So if you're still sharing a room with baby, if you're in that sort of a newborn stage and you're in a room together, you rolling over in your bed when baby is in that really light active sleep is enough to bring them right up and out of sleep into their awake period. It's one of the joys of being a parent and sharing a room in that you kind of get to know your baby and the sounds that they make. And there are lots of lovely elements of that, but there are also some drawbacks let's say in terms <laughs> of waking each other up uh, clearly baby does a lot of waking the parent up too. <laughs> but you can also do a bit of waking baby up it's um, interesting as well the noises that a baby can then get used to so for example um, if one of the parents is a deep snorer mm-hmm. that can actually become a baby's sleep aid so right. although for the opposite parent it might be a little bit irritating for the baby, that could be a white noise, have a white noise effect for that them. Would be so handy, wouldn't it? Don't even <laughs> need a little, you know, gadget or something. Gadget. Also, the only I problem think- is, though, when you want baby to nap, you don't necessarily have that same snoring noise to you hand. Need to make a recording of the snoring. But I guess that's quite interesting as well, because that all goes to the sounds that baby may or may not have heard when they were inside, because it might be some, it might be a sound that's really familiar to them as well. Definitely. It can be any of those sort of familiar noises that have gone on throughout um, pregnancy. So, you know, something that always surprises parents is the noise of an older sibling. So an older sibling having a tantrum can be extremely irritating for the parents, but can actually lull baby off to sleep because that's a familiar sound to them. Which sort of sounds like madness. Another reason that babies can be noisy when they sleep as they have pretty immature nasal passages, which can freak parents out a bit. I, mean, I used to sort of say that kids sounded like truckers, but 
um, sort of snorting away. But it, it can be a bit scary because it can sound a little bit like they are struggling to breathe at times. It can, certainly when they're moving between sleep cycles as well. Um, you can hear that sort of gargling sound and then silence, which sends parents flying out of bed at a rate of 100 miles an hour just to check on baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that sort of stops start because of the immature nasal passages. It can sort of sound sometimes like it's stop start breathing. So, yeah, they're all pretty scary sounds to hear. but normal you know as a parent it's natural to check on them and absolutely you should I think in those circumstances but it's worth knowing because it means well it won't stop you getting a fright but it might help yes it's reassuring I think for parents to know that these things are going to happen but absolutely it's never going to stop people checking I have slept in the same bedroom as thousands and thousands of newborns and I still check regularly and jump up to every little sign so you know that's the instinct of the carer to do that. We were talking a bit about adults and babies disturbing each other so the third thing is about where babies should or could sleep. Bedtimes can be a really anxious time for parents, not just because they're totally exhausted and hopeful for sleep, but it can be scary to close your eyes and let yourself sleep, which is what we've been talking about when we hear those noises. But there are a few things that you can think of and do to help put your mind at rest when you put baby to bed. So Sarah, let's talk about where babies could or should sleep. So I think at this point, it's really important to say that your choice of where a baby sleeps is 100% your choice. Um, And you just then need to be comfortable with the fact that you've made those surroundings as safe as possible for sleeping. My recommendation would be to have two or three different options of places to sleep. So something that you can have in the bedroom all the time, something that you can move around the house and your carry cot, which is when you're out and about walking. Now, the carry cot can also be used as the thing that you move around the house as well because it's quite portable. Yeah, that's why. You need, yeah, you need to be confident that the environment that you're putting your baby to sleep in is safe and consistent. So when you're looking at the um, Moses basket, cot, carry cot, next to me, you know, whatever bed you have chosen for your baby you want to make sure it's safe by following the guidelines so nothing additional needs to go into the space that you've chosen you're looking to keep it as simple as possible use the correct bedding so in Scotland you know you're going to use slightly more layers <laughs> than you might use in Australia for example well, um, even in the middle here. of winter a lot never <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, we um, we certainly rely on the 2.5, 3.5 sleeping bag togs rather than the ones. So, you know, you're, the key thing with any bed setup is to use layers. So you're, you're including your vest, your sleep suit. They're all included in the layers that you count when you're making a baby's bed up. The second important thing is to the way that you have tucked your sheets in. So if you choose to use sheets and blankets, you need to make sure that those sheets and blankets are tucked under the foot of the mattress of whatever you're using. So the expression that when we say, you know, always make your bed feet to foot, 
that means that your baby's feet are always going to be at the foot of the bed and the sheets will only come up halfway to the baby. So, you know, they're they're sitting just above the belly button, basically. I have to say, even though I'm sure that I was put to bed in sheets, uh, I've never used sheets with my kids. They kind of get or blankets. They kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies. They were always swaddled or in sleeping bags, which, um, you know, I know can have their own issues if they're not the right size or not done properly. But I don't know why sheets or, or, and blankets always worried me. Yeah. I mean, I was totally old school with my training because I trained in Norland and we were making up beds as part of our assessments. I did love the look of a beautifully made up crib with um, flat sheets and blankets. You know, there's nothing nicer than seeing that. But in all honesty, swaddles are the bee's knees and sleeping bags are just so much easier to use. So I do agree with you that sheets and blankets are a bit old school, but they do look pretty. And we're talking about layers and we obviously joking about temperature, but I was quite obsessed with those little egg things that you can get that say the temperature of the room. What should the temperature of baby's room be ideally? So you're looking to keep your baby's bedroom between or sleeping area. You want it to be between um, 18 and 21 degrees. And if it gets higher than 21 degrees, then that's when you're going to start to reduce the amount of layers that you're using to cool the baby down. It is difficult to keep it consistent. You know, in any country, temperatures change. The setup of the house, when you put baby to bed in the evening, it'll be one temperature and it will decrease or increase depending on what's going on. So the little eggs and various different room thermometers that you get are brilliant. We swear by them. You know, having that reassurance for a parent of what the temperature is doing is absolutely fantastic. It is also important to remember that they can't be 100% accurate because you might have it in one position in the room and the cot might be somewhere else. So there is a little bit of leeway with it, but it is a really, really good guide to follow. And if you can just keep that bedroom as consistent in temperature as possible that's the key thing you know if you've got a baby going to sleep and the room is 21 and it then drops to 18 throughout the night that baby will become a little bit more unsettled when the room drops to 18 degrees because that's a big change in temperature although weirdly my kids always seem to sleep a bit better when it was a bit cooler in their room Absolutely, some babies will, and some babies are the total opposite. So, you know, Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, with my three, Emily will absolutely crack up if her room drops below twenty-one. You know, even now she's a yeah. real like cold cookie and needs to be super hot. Whereas the boys would happily have every window open and sleep in a room that's twelve degrees. So, you know, they they work themselves out as they become children. But certainly the important thing to think about with babies is that you're responsible for keeping it consistent. And it's if you if you put that baby to bed and it's 18 degrees, just keep it as consistent as you can at 18 degrees. It's the changes in the external environment that affect the baby's sleep. And are there any other things you need to think about a baby's environment when it comes to baby sleep that will put, put your mind at rest? So think about where you're putting the cot, crib, Moses basket. Don't have it near a door. Don't have it near a window, if at all possible, because that is going to cause drafts. Don't have it sitting, for example, if you have a low shelf or fireplace in your bedroom, then don't have the bed near that because A, it can cause a draft, but B, if it's a shelf or anything that's got things sitting on it, freak accidents do happen and things can fall off. 
So you want to have it in a very clear space. You also even want if, to... Even if they're you're not talking about accidents and things, you know, the, the cot or crib is likely to stay there for quite a long time. And once baby can pull themselves up, things that are within reach become very interesting. They become a risk, definitely. Um, and the other thing to think about as well, as much as parents want baby as close to them as possible, and they want that ease of maybe just being able to reach in and scoop them out initially parents aren't used to having a baby sleeping that close to them you know this is a whole new thing and I've seen clients get up in the middle of the night to go to the toilet and forget that the Moses basket is next to the bed they jump out of bed to go to the toilet and bump into the Moses basket and then feel absolutely horrendous that they've done that so just have a little think when you're setting your room up just have a little think about safety from that point of view as well. It's worth probably mentioning co-sleeping it's important to discuss because there are safe ways of doing it and not so safe ways of doing it. Um, And it can be a little bit controversial. If somebody wants to co-sleep, then, you know, again, we would just ask them to research the safest possible ways of doing it within their environment. Whichever way you decide to have your baby sleep, it's your choice. And it's, that's what you need to be comfortable with. A lot of people will start initially with a baby in bed between them, maybe in one of the sort of, cocoon-like devices so you know there's several on the market just now and they might pop them into that and have them in the bed between them on top of the covers so they're still relying on a swaddle or sleeping bag for the warmth for the baby because the baby is very much on top of the covers so that's one way of co-sleeping. It is what we did and I find it very useful and I think you know as with all things you need to make sure that you know how to do things safely and that you are always mindful of those guidelines. Definitely. I think it's also important important to say with co-sleeping that, you know, people can like the idea of it and then the reality is that they actually end up getting less sleep themselves because they realise that they're not comfortable with it when they're doing it. And that's absolutely fine to have experimented and then realise that it's not for you. It wasn't ever something that I would have been able to do, you know, even now if one of mine is sick and creeps through in the middle of the night. I know that that's me done for because once they're in my bed, I'm not going to sleep a single wink. And that, I think, is what some people do find that when they've sort of had it in their head that co-sleeping is the option that they want to go down, they then do feel very upset that they haven't been able to get any sleep themselves and they feel like they've lost a little bit of something, that bond that they were hoping for. So I think it's really important just to reassure people that whatever happens, it is okay. You know, it's okay to try something once, hate it and move on. And it's also okay if you find that safe way of doing it to continue until you're ready to stop it. Yeah, absolutely. I think as well, sometimes you can do something that works for a bit and then it stops working and it's okay to change, Mm -hmm. obviously change it up then too. Uh, And it can be hard to let go of if it has been working and then it stops working. But the most important thing is to make sure everyone, you want everyone to be getting good sleep and you want everyone to be getting safe sleep. Now, just moving on to the fourth thing, I remember reading loads of charts when my daughter was wee that told me a newborn should be getting 18 hours plus of sleep. And there was absolutely no way she was getting that much kip. Uh, It felt like she was getting about 18 minutes, I think. Now, whilst every baby is different and it can be a bit unhelpful to put a number on things, it is important to chat through roughly how much baby should be sleeping. So that's our fourth thing. It's good to have a guideline, definitely. But as with a lot of the charts, 
it's important not to get too hung up on them as well. So just, you know, try and take things with a little bit of a pinch of salt and remember that there's one extreme to the other with babies, with everything. So a rough guide, a very rough guide would be not to eight weeks. You'd be looking for approximately 18 hours a day. And do remember that that is over 24 hours. So you're not going to get 18 hours at night. You're not suddenly going to be getting <laughs> <What>? that. <laughs> so just remember that you're splitting that across 24 hours. It could typically mean, you know, a six hour stretch at night and then the rest split into nap times. And then around about eight weeks, you'd be looking for that to change to sort of, on average, about. 14 to 16 hours again split across your 24 hour period it then sort of drops not drastically but there there is a there's a change at that sort of four four month mark where you're really you're getting a much more longer stretch of sleep overnight so you're you're getting a real night at this stage so between sort of four and six months you would be looking for your kind of a 10 to 12 hour nighttime sleep along with three to four hours of nap times during the day and then that continues to decrease until you're just getting your 10 to 12 hours overnight. I think also it's important to mention that it varies day to day just like it does mm-hmm. for adults. Absolutely even with a really super strict routine that you're following to the absolute later there could be a two and a half hour nap in there at lunchtime that you'll maybe get for seven days straight and then maybe I'll drop that to an hour and a half. That doesn't mean that they're then going to have an hour and a half every day. It just means that they've had a day where they've had slightly less sleep during the day. They might catch up, they might not. You might just have an off day and then reset the following day. We do talk about off days a lot because they do happen and it's realistic to know that they do happen. So even for real routine schedule lovers, you've not got a robot. So you do have to accept that there's going to be bad days. I was going to say, I think I've been having an off day for like five years. And finally, the last thing about baby sleep is a phrase that used to make my eyes roll so much. I practically turned back the clock, I think. However, with Sarah's help and understanding, I now know how important it is. So Sarah, give it to me. What's the phrase? Never put a sleeping baby to bed. (laughs) (laughs) I've never had a good reaction from a client when I've said that. But I think it's something you, that you hear and you try and do and it doesn't, it often feels like it doesn't work. And then you're like, I am being lied to. And, and so you feel angered by it. And there is quite a lot of kind of furore about it, I guess, if you looked online. But it is so important and actually also relates to sleep cycles. We could skip back to that because we were talking obviously about those active stages. But anyway, I'll let you tell me why it's so important <laughs> rather than. <laughs> Hogging it. Well, if you think about it, if you went to bed in your bed and woke up in the kitchen, you're going to feel pretty freaked out and a bit uncomfortable. There may a bit be lost. some parties where that happens. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not so many now. <laughs> None now. A wild night out is, uh, I was about to say Netflix and chill, that is not a wild night out. <laughs> There is absolutely no chilling. It's just Netflix. 
Yeah, so when you put baby to bed, you're putting baby to sleep in the environment that they're going to stay asleep in. If they've gone to sleep on you, all snuggly and cosy, and then you try and transfer them into the place that you expect them to then sleep for a period of time, they're going to wake up because it's changing their environment completely. They're losing the smell that they're comforted by. They're losing the fabric that they've fallen asleep next to. Absolutely everything has suddenly changed that baby's environment. So it goes back to what we were saying about the sleep environment being consistent. So give your baby a lovely cuddle, get them all cosy done, but before they drop off to sleep, put them into the environment that you want them to sleep in and then stay with them. So we're not asking you to pop them into their bed. No, absolutely not. You know, pop them down and because they have been cuddled into you, hold your hand on them or put a hand on their back or bottom, depending on how they're sleeping. Just give them that little bit of reassurance that it's okay. Yes, they're not on you anymore, but they're still in a safe place. And as much as there's nothing nicer than a baby snuggling in for a sleep. It is really important to try and start this at a very, very young age. You know, as soon as you're comfortable and ready, if you can get that baby into their environment awake, then you are going to find that you get a lot more sleep and baby gets a lot more deep sleep. Yeah, I remember in the early stages feeling like I had to be a bit like a ninja that baby would fall asleep in my arms and then I'd have to move them without moving them almost and get them in the cot and then get out of the room without any creaks or the doors making any noises and it's totally impossible so actually the relief of leaving the room with baby kind of in their cot a bit more settled doing so calmly makes a lot lot more sense yeah but it is a hard thing you know it's not It's not as easy as we've just described it as, you know, giving your baby a nice cuddle and popping them down and them drifting off magically to sleep. It's it's worth persevering with, but there are going to be days when actually you just start this process and think, stuff this, I'm just going to pick them up and cuddle them. And that's absolutely fine to do that. But what you'll find is that the whole process ends up taking a lot longer and the next night you're then ready to get that baby into their cot awake. In our next episode, we'll start putting your baby sleep questions to Sarah. So if you have a question you'd like answered, please get in touch with us online at The Sleep Mums or on our website, thesleepmums.co.uk. So that's five things about baby sleep. We're on a mission to help parents sleep better. So please spread the sleep mum word. Tell your friends, write us a lovely review or get in touch with us online at The Sleep Mums or on our website, thesleepmums.co.uk. Look after yourself and sleep soon.